If you're a dog owner, safety and welfare for your pet are of the utmost concern. But there are so many so-called experts out there that many of us don't know where to turn to get the expert advice that we need. Welcome to Taming the Wild in Your Dog with noted dog expert and author Brian Bailey. In this program, we give you the tips you need to connect with your best friend with the most practical advice. Now, here's your host, Brian Bailey. Greetings, everyone. I am just glad to have my voice back today, and hopefully you'll be glad as well. But Joshua, you're kind of struggling, aren't you? Yeah, you took my voice away from me. (laughs) You just passed it around everywhere. Yeah, we're just a big family here at Team the Wild, so you know how it is. You get a cold, and you pass it to your best buddy over here, you give him a cold, and of course, Kira gave it to me, and so on and so forth. But at least my voice is back, so you'll just have to struggle over there. Okay, well, today we have a, well... A touchy show to, to yeah, speak of be. a little bit there. Could you know, be. there's an old saying, you're not supposed to talk about politics and religion unless you want to get something started. Well, I have found out that by doing my research for this particular show, that when, if you talk about religion and politics, it's very volatile. However, you throw pets into the mix, and this is going to blow up in your face. Just get ready for that right now. It is an insane world. I say that every week we come on here. My gosh, we will never run out of material for this show. Nope. Thank you, world, for supplying it to us. Uh, so we never have to sit around and scratch our head going, what is the show going to be about next week? But this week, we are going to talk about a very serious subject. We're making a little bit light of it right now, but Guys, I'm telling you, there are laws being passed, laws right now in front of many state senates, their houses, you name it, it is out there, they're being talked about, they're being addressed, they're being tabled, retabled, and wow, I, well, now I've learned where I can go to find out about these laws, and I'll tell you uh, towards the end of this, this little segment here, but you need to pay attention because some of these laws absolutely make no sense. And they do restrict a lot of what I feel your rights are as a dog owner. So let's just get right to it. So I'm just going to do a little homework to start with and just kind of do the setting for you. Our country was established upon the foundation of a self-governing people, which means you as a dog owner should be free to live your life as you choose as long as you don't infringe upon the rights of others. Now, that being said, What about your dog? Does it have rights? Should it have rights just like you? You have the right, meaning you as a person, the right to life, liberty, and property. But you won't find mention of dogs' rights in our Bill of Rights. That's because from a legal standpoint, I hate to say this, guys, your dogs are considered nothing more than property, just like your refrigerator. You may not like that and go, wow, he, he just compared my dog to my refrigerator. But I'm here to tell you, we did an interview yesterday with yep. a uh, personal injury attorney regarding dog bite cases. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was affirmed now that we're talking legal. all <laughs> <laughs> It was affirmed uh, that your dog is really from the uh, standpoint of the law, at least when it comes to dog bites, being bitten or whatever, it's nothing more than property. So, but let me tell you this much. Remember those rights I told you, you have the right to life, liberty, and property. So I guess you have the right to own a dog. Uh, of course, that, that your apartment complex may infringe upon that right. So you can't own a big dog, so on and so forth. But for the most part, you have the right to have property. But let me tell you something. 
Dogs may be considered property from a legal standpoint. However, should you fail to feed that dog or provide it with proper shelter, or if you treat it harshly, you could find those rights that you have, the ones, for example, like your liberty can be forfeited and your property in the form of cash and your dog confiscated. Therefore, you know, when I looked at it on the surface, it does appear that Dogs do have some rights. It's very conflicting. Oh, it, it, oh we haven't even gotten started yet. <laughs> I mean, I am just now digging up a, a, a rabbit hole just wide enough to fit me down the darn thing. Um, yeah, it is very, very confusing. So, of course, just like I just said, and therefore, on the surface, it does appear that dogs do have rights. But do they? For example, dogs aren't allowed to roam freely wherever they wish. There are laws about containing your dog, about restraining it from roaming freely. Dogs that roam freely are typically uh, labeled as stray dogs. And stray dogs are then picked up by animal control or they're picked up by rescue, so on and so forth. And they're back under restraints. Uh, They don't have the right to own territories larger than those of their owners. So that being said, you can't decide that, wow, I peed on my neighbor's bushes, so therefore I am going to, what is that, the law of in it domain or <laughs> your it domain or something of that sort there? That meaning, was bad. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll keep going. Uh, so <laughs> you get to own your neighbor's property. So no, they don't. Uh, unfortunately, they can't choose who they live with. You know, wow, um, I don't get to pick my owners as much as we think. They really don't get to pick their owners. And they also, in some sad cases, they don't get to decide whether they live or die. So they don't have the right to life, liberty. And the only property, if they have any rights at all, is probably their dog bed and their dog food bowl and maybe a few of their toys. But that's really it. So again, now you're thinking, okay, well, maybe dogs don't have rights. Oh, but they do. (laughs) So now here we go again. Right now, I I do mean right now. The New York State Senate has a bill sitting right in front of it that would require their Department of Agriculture to issue red and blue alerts through public service announcements to notify all owners of companion animals in the area to bring them inside. Now, I'm not going to read over all these alerts, and for the most part, they're really good alerts, meaning if it gets below a certain temperature, you must bring them inside. If it gets above another temperature, you have to get a red alert, you have to bring them inside. Here's the hard part about it. First of all, it takes out of the hands of the owners their own decision-making. Case in point, the blue alert says anything below 32 degrees. My, My Huskies that I had in Alaska, oh my gosh, if you brought them inside of our house at 32 degrees, well, you wouldn't have them in there for long. You'd wish you didn't. You wouldn't have a house left, I don't think. No, you wouldn't. They would be (laughs) pitching an ever-loving fit. They would lay on top of their doghouse doing their best Snoopy imitation at 40, 50 below zero. Wow. So again, I do think that we have to take into account the breed. Uh, uh, some animals are not going to do well below freezing, but others love that. Big Newfoundlands, uh, Great Pyrenees, mm-hmm. Huskies, they love it. They actually thrive in temperatures below that. And then we have the red alert. Uh, 
above 95, 99 degrees. There are many animals that can handle that like an all-day sucker. Uh, they're hound dogs. They're hunting dogs. They are made to run in that weather. Uh, they're made to run in Africa to track down illegal poachers and so on and so forth. In blazing hot temperatures, they can handle it. But then again, now your pug can't. Your bulldog can't handle that. So it, it, it's just kind of, again, I guess the rule is, you know, it, you may be a self-governing country, but if you can't govern yourself, then Uncle Sam feels like we just need to govern you. So if you can't do it yourself, then we feel. And obviously, the state sent up in New York felt uh, and probably has many reasons to believe that people aren't treating their dogs uh, fairly. They're not bringing them in. They're treating them harshly. And therefore, they're now putting limitations. But let me tell you what. Should you fail to bring your dog in when one of those alerts goes off, they can, and this is in writing, will immediately seize your dog. At a minimum, it is a very stiff fine. So therefore, you know, of course, now you go, okay, well, maybe dogs do have rights. Uh, they certainly in New York have the right to not be subjected to extreme temperatures. Mm -hmm. Although we subject humans to it. I mean, I'm living here in the South right now. And let me tell you, it is so hot. I witnessed geese flying South this morning and they turned around and went back North. <laughs> uh, so I'm subjected to these extreme temperatures uh, and no one's saying, Hey, we have to bring Brian in. Brian is melting out there. Cause I start to melt when it gets above 40 degrees. I'm just like the Huskies uh, growing up in Alaska. I'm going to cry inhumane the next time you ask me to go outside and do some work. I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> remember you special rules. Remember you don't, your voice, you can't I'm, talk today. Right. I'm more, I'm more of like a great Pyrenees style right? <laughs> yeah. or like a, yeah, you just a hound dog that can handle the heat. You just sit over there and do your technical stuff that, <laughs> that you do, whatever it is that you do over there. I'm not sure even what he does, but anyway, just do your thing over there. Um, okay, so now you think, okay, yep, they have rights for sure. There you go, Brian. You just proved it right there. You, there you go, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Damn, we're just talking so legal today. Uh, but then again, maybe they don't. Uh, here we go again. Now the U.S. Department of Transportation in this effort to appease all the complaints that are coming in saying, you know, they, they put uh, restraints on a lot of airlines had, not the U.S. Department of Transportation. Airlines, for example, said no more dogs on flights over eight hours, uh, no more emotional support dogs, so on and so forth. Just due to, we had a uh, radio show about that a long time ago, which we talked about how people are fraudulently passing their dogs off as service dogs and trying to take advantage uh, of getting that little harness that they bought online for about $10. And now I'm just going to again take my dog everywhere I go. So in an effort to try and reach some sort of impasse or break the impasse and just make everyone happy, the U.S. Department of Transportation now has, this is not in place yet, but they're running it through the mill here through all the things that they do, all the channels to make sure this law will be okay. But they're saying that dogs flying for eight hours or more must hold it. So now you think, okay, well, there went your rights. You don't even have the right to go potty. You don't have the right to relieve yourself. Uh, you don't have the right to use the lavatory. Uh, so you must hold it, dog. Sorry about your, your rights there. And, and here's the other thing that's funny. Owners are required to provide documentation or proof that their dog can hold it long enough. Uh, so How do they do that? <laughs> exactly. I guess that's the part where well, they're still working on it. I, I'm, I'm going to show up with my proof, and I need someone to hang out with me that works there to watch my dog for eight hours, and I'll show you. After eight hours, it has not gone to the bathroom. 
Yeah, you know, then you have all these people who are always looking for the loophole. Uh, and you know, they're going to ask, well, what if I only take a seven and a half hour flight? Is my dog now allowed to go potty? Do you Again, to prove it then? Yeah, it's just, what the heck? You know, we can sit there and pick this thing apart all day long. But it, again, it just shows what is going on out there. Is anyone doing any thinking or are they just putting pen to paper? Uh, yeah. We'll just keep going here. So I think the problem that is facing us is we don't know, at least from a legal standpoint, how to label dogs. Are they property or are they humans? What do you do? That's a, it's a, I feel sorry for them in a lot of ways, these, these yeah. bill um, writers and politicians. It's tough. It's got to be tough. It, it very much resembles children, minors. Does it not? I mean, as far as not being able to um, choose who you live with, not being able to, you know, if a child that's a minor does something wrong, the parents are held accountable for it, just like a dog bite. So there's a there's a certain level of of mirroring the rights of of minors. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this much. Then I I hope they pass a law. If that's the case. If that's what they're going to draw upon, they're going to draw a similar a similar between minors and dogs. Okay. Next time I take an eight plus hour flight, <laughs> make sure your child can hold it. Yeah. Uh, Make sure. I want proof of that. I want documentation because I always seem, we, we always <laughs> seem to either be sitting to right next to that child or right behind it. And of course, their little air conditioning vents are pointed right in our direction. And here we go for the next God knows how many hours. And of course, there's always turbulence. You can't get up and go change the, the diapers. Or they can just stay in, in the crate at the bottom of the plane, just like the dogs. Oh, uh, now that's oh, bad. Oh, okay. Well, let's we get through right along. We can draw the similarities. <laughs> let's, let's just keep going day. here. Yeah. All right. So our dog's property, what are they? What are they? That's that's the hard part. So if they're human, why hasn't the Bill of Rights been amended to include them? And the big question is, should dogs even have rights? Now, when you look at a definition, and there's many definitions of animal rights, it just depends on where you go look, but the consistent definition is this, is the idea that animals, uh, all non-human animals, so I guess we're a human animal, are entitled to the possession of their own existence and that their most basic interests, such as the need to avoid suffering, should be afforded the same consideration as similar interests of human beings. Okay, so now when lawmakers look at this definition and they read that last sentence, should be afforded the same consideration as similar interests of human beings. Okay, now, here we go. So I'm a lawmaker. Now it boils down to how do I perceive a dog? Property, meaning four-legged refrigerator, or human? little person in a fur coat. And therein lies the problem that we're seeing today. Probably why we're seeing 2019 has ushered in a wave, and I do mean a wave, of new legislation. And I don't know if it's just the pet parent thing, the fur babies, all the pet care centers. I, I'm not sure. I could not find that answer. If you know that answer, please send it in and let us have that answer. Um, be glad to share it with you. But for now, the whole area is gray. 
And it's as gray as the gray wolf that the dogs came from. No one knows what the dog is or how to treat it from a legal standpoint. Some laws are being written from a property standpoint, others being written from a little person in a fur coat standpoint, leaving everything up to the perspective of the potential law uh, writer, uh, author of the law, uh, to someone who now thinks, well, I'm actually a pet parent, so therefore I'm going to write the law law from that perspective. Uh, The only issue with that is when you start allowing emotions to come into play, then we tend to start thinking with our heart instead of our head. Uh, Case in point, the BBC recently interviewed an animal rights activist group. (laughs) I have to laugh. Okay, whom they stated in the interview, animal rights should be restricted to those animals that have a biography, not merely a biology. Okay, so I'm going to pause for two seconds. 1,001, 1,002. Okay, did you think about that? The second you're conceived in the womb, you have a biography. You really do, and a biology. So I don't know what animals are talking about here. And let's just go ahead and throw out the definition of biography. It's an account of someone's life written by someone else. All right, so that was just really stupid. But again, this is what lawmakers are being armed with. Again, if they are not knowledgeable, they're not a biologist, they're not an ethologist, they're, they're not into studying wildlife, they're really into studying law, politics, so on and so forth, this is what they fall back on to write their laws. So this thing goes on. This interview says, and it means that the higher animals would have rights. So they kind of made it a little bit more specific. And those animals that are conscious, no, not having a conscience. <laughs> that has to be what they meant to write, wouldn't you think? Okay, if you read the first, listen to the first paragraph, I'm not absolutely sure. But either way, they're wrong. Yeah. Okay, first of all, if you're conscious, that means you're awake. Uh, we're all, all three of us are conscious right now. I'm hoping that listeners are still conscious and I haven't <laughs> put them to sleep yet. But it's conscious and those animals that can remember. Do you have any animals that can't remember? They can't remember where a food source is. They can't remember if I'm a wolf that a porcupine really hurt the last time I bit it. Uh, thin ice is, tends to not support my weight. Uh, what does sit mean? What does down mean? Ours remember what time it is every day when it's dinner time. They do. <laughs> so again, now we're excluding animals that are conscious. They, are, they can remember and can form intentions. I'm sure you're not excluding. We are including those. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know that animals could form intentions. Uh, an intention is means you have a goal, you have a purpose, you have an aim. It is something you mean to do, whether you pull it off or not. It's a plan. It's an act for the future. Huh. Okay. So again, and then they had to wrap the whole darn thing up with, although we already know how many animals have senses, senses of humor. Okay. So, wow. Um, way to go. <laughs> I hope the BBC enjoyed that interview because I'm telling you what, if our lawmakers are reading that, there's no telling what we will be faced with as dog owners. Uh, And they kind of give you just some real life examples of the complexity here and the confusion. For example, right now, right now in Fort Thomas, Kentucky, 
Did you know it is illegal for a pet to cause annoyance, discomfort, or injury to the health and welfare of persons in the community? Thank you. That's great. Should have left it there. Put a period on the end. But they didn't. They added this. And that includes molesting pedestrians or passing vehicles. <laughs> They're molesting a passing vehicle. It would be the last time they do it. I'm thinking. Oh my goodness. Did no, did no one bother to read this back and say, does that make sense? Or did we, was that good? Do you, does that work? Or whatever. Oh my gosh, no. And then in Juneau, Alaska, gosh, I hate to admit that, but then again, we true Alaskans don't refer to Juneau as Alaska because it's temperate there. We're up in Fairbanks. It's really cold. And so you got to be tough back when ships were wood and men were iron. Uh, no owner of an animal or person having control of an animal shall allow such animal to enter into any barbershops or establishments for the practice of hairdressing or beauty culture. So in other words, you don't take your dog there to get groomed. You go there to get groomed by a dog. And they're just not, they must have gotten, they must have been given some bad haircuts because that's why they wrote it. You can't do that anymore, dogs. Delaware. A person is guilty of the unlawful trade in dog or cat byproducts in the second degree. You're guilty in the second degree. Not even, oh my gosh, now it's getting scary. If the person knowingly or recklessly sells, barters, or offers for sale or barter the fur or hair of a domestic dog or cat. Are there people doing that? Are we missing something here? Gosh, I hope Is not. there a financial windfall that's, that we were, we weren't even aware of? We would be so rich with all of the dog and cat fur in our house. Oh, Imagine. amen. Oh, we would be it. Yeah. We would own the very platforms that we're now on. <laughs> I'm telling you what, but we need to look into that. Maybe there's, <laughs> maybe there's no law like that in Tennessee. Yeah, maybe it's just Delaware. Yeah, let's just check it out. I guess you guys haven't seen my new dog fur coat. No, I haven't. <laughs> we're speechless. <laughs> <laughs> that's apparently that's what they're trying to avoid here. I mean, I, I didn't know that that was a potential threat in society, but. Okay. So, Whatever. hey, what medicine are you on right now? <laughs> Strong cold medicine. <laughs> Strong cold medicine. Okay, so let's get on here before we're going to take a break here in just a uh, couple of minutes. But before we do, we have a little bit more time to talk about this and we'll wrap it up after the break here. Let's talk about dog parks. Everyone loves dog parks. Uh, or for the most part, most people love dog parks. Uh, I think um, when they first came out, they were a really good idea. Mm -hmm. I just think that no one thought it through. Uh, but they did manage to think long enough about enacting rules, having rules for dog parks. Okay, now I just want to let you know something. I have a stack of paper here in front of me. So those of you who are watching this live, here they are. Those of you who are listening on the radio, let me just flutter them a little bit. Can you hear all that sound? Yeah. Okay. That's a partial list. I looked up 56 dog parks. Now, I probably only got out of one state, honestly, no, but I did go all over the country and I looked at dog park rules. Not a single one remotely resembled another one. It was amazing out there. The vast differences in rules. And, you know, some of them had consistently, you know, you can't allow an aggressive dog in here. Okay. Did we have to put that rule out there? Yeah. I guess you can't govern yourself. We'll govern for you so on and so forth. But man, there are some really touchy ones and there are rules that were written that you think, okay, how did that come to be a rule? Who because wrote that? who yeah. wrote that rule? Who were you addressing at that time? 
So guys, we're going to take a short break. And if you have any quirky dog park rules or just some complaints about the rules of your local dog park, please send them in during the break. Uh, you can send them to Brian with a Y at TamiWild.com. And those of you who are on social platforms, uh, such as Facebook, you can write it in there. And we'll talk about it after the break. When we come back, we're going to finish up this thing about the law. So you want to hear what I had to say at that point there. Okay, guys, see you back in a couple minutes. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. After years of waiting, there's a radio show for shotgunning enthusiasts worldwide. Tune into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation for the very best in wing and clay shooting talk. Join Marty and his guests as they bring you hunting and shooting information that you can use. So whether you're a beginner or a seasoned pro, this show can be your go-to source for wing and clay shooting information. Listen live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. On the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Taming the Wild and Your Dog. To reach the program today, send an email to Brian at tamingthewild.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everyone. Uh, we were talking before the break about the government and new laws that are on the table right now. Uh, some of these have already been passed, but there's a lot of them on the table being retabled, and they are pushing their way through their respective government's houses and so on and so forth. And we were just starting to talk about dog park rules. Now, I get it. You have to have rules. You just cannot. You cannot. We proved eons ago that we cannot self-govern. Because why? Case in point, locally here, here in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, we have some dog parks with some very odd rules and that are definitely not consistent. And I have not found these rules anywhere else in the country. So I went hunting. So I called the parks division and I was able to speak to their supervisor who then enlightened me on a few uh, why uh, some of these rules came about. And there's a few in which she just said, I actually don't know. 
she believes it belongs to community. The community supported these rules or someone's idea that that's what the rules should be. But case in point, here's one of the rules that's here locally at one of the dog parks. Um, puppies under six months of age are not permitted in the park. Puppies younger than six months of age do not have all the necessary inoculations to allow them to safely interact with older dogs. Okay, so when was that written? Because by law, by the very law, another law that you enforce here in this city is requiring dogs to have their rabies vaccinations, and they get those at four months. So again, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, dogs are, most dogs have received all of their inoculations before they're six months of age, unless again, they were born as a um, free roaming dog, picked up, and then they got started a little bit late in life, which that makes sense there. But the vast majority of dogs are either owned by people who purchased these puppies or they adopted them from the shelter and they've had all their vaccinations. So it seems a little bit extreme there to require them to be over six months. But here's the big one. Dogs, um, let me find it here. Some of those sheets. Oh, here we go. So prong or pinch collars, choke collars, or any sort of spike collars and remote training collars are not permitted in the park. Dogs requiring this level of control are less likely to socialize properly and are not permitted in the off-leash area. So what you're wearing determines whether you can interact properly. I cannot Doesn't even. Doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. Well, again, you're, you're talking about two different <laughs> subjects. Were you properly socialized as a young pup? Have you been properly introduced? Have you had received the correct amount of exposure to other unfamiliar people, unfamiliar dogs? It, what I have found on the direct opposite is that those people who use those devices, if they use them correctly, they're making an effort to control their dogs. And they typically can cause things not to happen at dog parks that dogs who are not trained with those can do. Uh, case in point, they can call their dog back. Many of them can. Not all of them can. This is not a blanket statement. It just says that if they're wearing that, then that is someone who realized, hey, the harness didn't work for me. Uh, going naked didn't work for me. I need something to help me control my dog. But it does not mean squat as to whether the dog can socialize properly, can interact safely with other dogs. No, because we have certainly, we were there in which one of our dogs was attacked by a dog wearing a harness. Uh, so what about them? So again, why would you make a rule in which who who contributed this to this park? What were you thinking? Because again, it's like they, they, you can't even compare them. It is a complete apple and an orange type situation. As far as the the prong collars and, and things like that, they have to be, you know, coming at this from a safety standpoint of, of dogs playing with that equipment on. And that's understandable. But the remote collar, that's, that's not really understandable. But they say in the statement that those dogs are not ones that are easily controlled and they can't properly socialize. So they're not even saying don't come in the park with it on and allow your dog to play with those collars on. They're saying those dogs are not allowed, period. Yeah, yeah that's, that's just absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. It is. And again, I just use it as an example 
to, to let you know. But when I interviewed the supervisor of this department, she said, Brian, we had to come up with the rules. And I do. I get that. She actually announced to me that, informed me that we, that they have very, they have, I mean, weekly instances of people who drop off their dog at the dog park and then leave. They leave. They I go shopping. They run imagine. errands. Uh, they just let their dog run around unsupervised for I don't know how how long. And then, of course, the dog park is used as an as the animal shelter. They every you know they at least uh, several times a week at some of the local dog parks. They arrive in the morning to find a dog in there with no identifications whatsoever. Someone just used as a as a shelter. I can see people doing that. Unfortunately, I can't. I can see people doing that. I cannot understand someone who's going to drop their dog off like it's a drop-in daycare and then come back and get them later. Well, hence why we have rules. But again, all I ask is that if you're going to write these rules, just let's, we need to find out what is your, your resources? Who do you turn to? Who's qualified to help you, the city attorney, write these rules? Rules that make sense. Yeah, Who can help absolutely. Do Don't exclude people just because they use a train device. I get it, and I guarantee you, there. I did find a couple of dog parks who said, but they phrased it differently. Uh, recommended that dogs were in certain collars, and someone said no collars allowed because, again, dogs grab each other about the neck. Canines can get entangled in other collars of different types, uh, into the links, the chain links, you name it. And actually, you know, we have an injury occurring. I understand all of that, but don't don't you dare say, in other words, we, we've been like a stereotype. If you use those, then your dogs cannot socialize properly because we have taken our dogs to dog parks since their inception. And all of my dogs have been trained on those devices. And none of my dogs, and I can say that, I can say it with absolute truth, have never started a fight. I've had a couple that ended it but they didn't start it. And as soon as I saw something happening, I was able to immediately call my dog away from that uh, incident there. You know, it always kind of comes back to with these rules. All right, who is the one that gets to, to decide these rules? Who's the one that these lawmakers need to consult with to get these rules properly made up? So obviously in the dog world, everything is polarized. I mean, you either think that those prong collars are bad or you think those prong collars are great. I mean, everything is polarized. So now the question is, is who gets to make these things? But when you start making rules that actually hurt your dog park experience, then that's when things need to really start to be analyzed differently. When you start telling people who use these remote collars that they're not allowed to your dog park, well, now you're starting to infringe on people's rights, first of all. And second of all, you're hurting yourself by having less controlled and less contained dogs in your dog park. Yes. Yeah, and there's no telling how someone may read that. And, okay, so they, they use those, those pieces of equipment to control their dogs or train their dogs. Take their dog to a dog park. Their dog gets into a fight. And now they leave thinking, well, maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. Why, why would a, a big city write those rules? Obviously, they, they, they must know what they're talking about. It's, yeah, enough time spent on that. Um, just going to go over one more with you real quick. And this was uh, in Mississippi. It's, uh, it was Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Now, this has been retabled. But let me tell you about where they want to go with this. Um, it was severely restricting any sort of breeding whatsoever. And I do think that in the vast majority of the rules that have been ushered in 2019, are that is their focus. 
And it should be their focus. It should be. We have too many puppy mills. We have too many breeders out of control in that race to create the triple doodle next or whatever it's going to be. Uh, the tweenies and so on and so forth. It's, yeah, we're out of control. Breeding is out of control. And we do need more regulations to make people, force people to think it through, to do a better job at what they're doing. But when you start getting into areas that say, Authorized entry into a private property by certain city and county employees under broad provisions that are not limited to the pursuit of an animal, meaning knock and enter. Hello, uh, we happen to be animal control and we're entering your home whether you like it or not, and we're going to check on things. Uh, okay, <laughs> you know, I tell you, if, there's, if, there, if we have any rights at all as humans or as Americans, I tell you what, the rights surrounding us in our homes and our castles are some of the strongest rights in the world. Uh, they're, they're incredible. And now you just want to bypass all of that and just say, because I think you have five dogs instead of owning just four, I'm just going to knock and enter. So that, that was out there. It actually had to get retabled. Uh, and it, you know, enact animal limits by limiting all residences to six domestic animals. And again, I, some of these I agree with. How many people want to live next to the person who says, well, I'm doing my own rescue? And I own 40 dogs. Okay, I, I'm going to be honest with you right now. I don't want to live next to anyone who owns 40 dogs. I don't care what your cause is. Uh, I have the right to have a respite. I have the right to have my own home and not be subjected. You can't keep 40 dogs quiet. But we have clients who keep, I've got one that has a, what, almost 15 or 20. Yes. With the, with the whole knock and enter thing, I get that these rules are to protect these animals, but... With that ability to just knock and enter, how many dogs are going to die because they just knocked and entered and the dog said, no, you don't come into my house. And so now I shoot because your dog is acting aggressively towards me. I mean, you, it, it's just a snowball of just ignorance that goes from from just a tiny little pebble of, hey, let's do good. You know, the, the road to, to hell is paved with good intentions, right? And then it's just going to snowball into now nobody can own any type of, of dog that they they so call or that, that they that they want because the government says no you're not fit to own this number of animals or this type of animal it's just going to snowball into to you're just not allowed to have a dog and hence why it's been retabled yeah because people found out about this but by golly it was on the table as recently as september the third and they pulled it off only because people cried foul so that's the moral of this segment of the radio show. You need to be on top of this if you're a dog owner. This will sneak up on you. If you don't say anything, then that's just, they're just going to assume it's all okay. I guess these are good, sound decisions that we have made on your behalf. You must stay in tune. A great resource for that is the AKC, akc.org. Uh, just type in legislative. They are on top of this. They are the watchdog for all of these new laws that are coming out. That's a very simple source to go to. If not, type in your state.gov. And they, they list every bill that's in front of their respective house. They'll even tell you Every step of the way, it's been sent to so-and-so for review. It's been sent to this department for their any additions that they want to make to it. Uh, it'll tell you every step of the way, which for most people, the only governments that are really you got to watch out for are your city governments. They can act a lot faster than states can. 
Hey, you got to stay on top of it. So guys do that. Do your research, go to your .gov, go to your city councils, uh, go to their website, make sure you're keeping an eye on it. Go to the AKC because your voice, your voice is, is what will have the impact on this. If it wasn't for people's voices, then somebody's ridiculous laws would have been passed. And unfortunately, we have ridiculous laws that were passed because of your voice. So again, if you want to have a say in it, then get, you know, either what's the old saying, either be a part of the solution or you're just going to continue to be a part of the problem. Yeah. Okay. So that's that. If you got any questions on that, send them in. I'll be glad to answer them because buddy, <laughs> I did a lot of research on this. So I feel like I'm a little bit knowledgeable about that now, whereas I really wasn't before. I was one of those unsuspecting people. I didn't know either. I really yeah. was. So let's get to answering some questions. We have some questions that questions. come in. So ask Yay. away, Kira. Okay. Here we go. We just added an eight-week-old German Shepherd to our family. We're looking for some activities to help her stop chewing and biting everything. We have deer antlers, a pig ear that came home with her, numerous toys, and dental chews, but she gets bored super quick with her doggy stuff and she wants to chew our shoes and furniture. Any suggestions of what we can do to keep her busy and stop her from chewing? Oh, absolutely. Uh, supervise and contain your puppy. Uh, I owned a vet hospital uh, for many years and I cannot tell you how many puppies lost their lives, how many that we had to perform emergency surgery on because they didn't just chew on it, they ingested it. Uh, everything from socks to underwear to parts of rugs to leather to things that were not going to pass through their system. So keep an eye on your puppy. It's eight weeks old. It's, not, it's going to get bored quickly. In fact, it won't be conscious for very long either. They're going to sleep a lot. But use a crate. Uh, put your puppy in a crate with its chew toy that you that you decide. I would highly recommend that you do not use a stuffed animal, especially ones that squeak, because the instinct in your dog that goes back to our wolf says there's got to be a mouse in there. There must be a mouse in there. And I'm going to find that darn mouse one way or the other. So they're going to shred that darn toy looking for that little squeaking device that's inside. And when they find it, they're going to chew it and swallow it. They're also going to swallow all the stuffing that goes with it. So don't do that. Another reason that you want to supervise and only provide the puppy with something good to chew on is that that can become a coping mechanism, meaning I don't have TV to watch. I can't binge on a TV show. I don't have a book to read. I don't have the internet to surf. So therefore, chewing. And all of a sudden, chewing becomes, hmm, how do I pass my time? How many people do you see sitting in a waiting room waiting for anything, anything at all nowadays that are not on their iPhone? None. Not on their smartphone. <laughs> How many people? They can't. They can't pass the time for two minutes without having to look at their darn device. So that's starting to become a habit. We can't cope without being on some sort of device all over the darn internet. It's a real problem. Well, when you allow your puppy to chew all the time, you start creating that same habit. Now, again, they must chew during certain periods of their lives when they're young. Uh, they don't have orthodontists, and that, that's how their teeth are set permanently into their jawbone. Uh, but outside of that, hey, moderation is the key. So I would, A, prevent it, take it from a preventive standpoint. I'm not going to allow you to do this. 
And then later, not at eight weeks, but a little bit later, 12 weeks, maybe a little bit longer than that, I'm going to start introducing some commands that when you receive this command, you will immediately release from your mouth whatever it is that's in there. Not your choice, my choice. Because you sometimes, I have to save you from your young self. So when I say that's dangerous and spit it out and you say, no, it's not dangerous, I'm going to keep it in my mouth no matter what, that can become a problem. So that's pretty much how I'm going to do it. Do you have any suggestions on that, Joshua? Well, eight weeks of age, I always, always, always recommend just a prevention aspect. I mean, you're not going to be doing a whole lot of training with an eight-week-old puppy. But after about 12 weeks, like you said, Brian, I'm, I'm going to start letting the dog live in a world of no. Okay, so the issue that I see most in this question is that we have a deer antler, a pig ear, and all these different chew bones and things, but in the dog's world, how the dog perceives everything, there's no difference between its chew bone and your stinky shoe. There's no difference. So when, what, I, what I let, what I do when I, the dog hits about somewhere around 12 weeks of age is I, let, I take away all their bones, all their chew toys for about two days. And I just let the dog live in a world of no. No, you're not allowed to chew on that. No, you're not allowed to chew on that. And about the end of that second day, your dog's pretty much given up on life going, what, How can <laughs> what am I, I supposed yeah, to do yeah, then? <laughs> I have to chew on something. And then that's when you present them with one chew bone. And now all of a sudden that chew bone has all the value in the world. That's this is the only thing that I've been able to release on. And so now your dog has some contrast between what's allowed to be chewed on and what's not allowed to be chewed on. Good point. Go. And I think we have a video that I shot when Takani was a puppy, it's on, I think it's on YouTube. We'll have to check and see. But it's called Don't Feel Guilty. And it just illustrates how we handle having a puppy in our home environment. And it, we got some pushback from it. Oh, yeah. People are saying because the dog was tied out. And people are saying, is that a pet or is that a prisoner? And again, <laughs> I excuse you for your ignorance. If you had a three-year-old do you just let them run loose in your home, putting anything in their mouth that they wish to put in their mouth? Same thing with a two-year-old. Do you allow that? What do you think a 12-week-old puppy is? Do you know that they actually don't know what's harmful to them? That's called cause and effect. That's called the master teacher. If they had a mother uh, other than a human mother, like a wolf mother with wolf cubs, she's very good. She allows them to taste certain things, to grab certain things with their mouth and to perform certain actions that she knows will not kill them. It could cause them some pain, but they get it. She, they learn through their own self-discovery because she allows that. You need to learn this. However, I will save you from yourself. And a good dog mom will do the same thing. So why in the heck? So now we tie a dog out and I'm sitting 10 feet away. I'm not allowing you to wander off because I'm busy writing this email. I'm preparing for a radio show. I don't want you to wander into the room and maybe pick up something that I didn't know was lying there. And you think I'm bad? You think I've got a prisoner? Well, you're a fool. I hope you don't have a pet. Uh, but enough of that. So let's move on from there. These are all, this is how, that's, that's my answer is how I'm going to handle that. Next question. Okie doke. My dog keeps breaking through our invisible fence and running off. How do I keep her in the yard? <laughs> oh, I owned one of those franchises for three years. I'm going to tell you, here's my secret weapon. Turn off the tone. Yeah, the little tone that goes off as you get near the wire, the one that says, I'm going to give you about three seconds to throw it in reverse and get back into the yard, the interior of the yard. Yeah. Now you get to guess where the boundaries are. 
You bet. Otherwise, what happens is many of these dogs are not trained properly. So many people get these devices, and I don't know if they watch too much of science fiction, but they think they just installed a force field for their dogs, and they're going to run up this thing and just bounce off back to the interior of the yard. Oh, no, they're not. Uh, a lot of bad things that happen. Number one, I'm not trained properly, so I run up, and something goes beep, 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 and bam. Oh, my God. What the heck was that? Then they won't go back in the yard. Yeah, and we, yeah. we talked on previous yeah. episodes about pairing, natural pairing. So they go, oh, my God, something in this yard just got me really, really bad. And I can't identify it, and therefore I'm afraid. And when canines can't identify anything and they're afraid, they typically will not respond to the signal or they'll avoid it. So now all of a sudden we have dogs that won't even go out the out into the yard. They won't leave the house. They're pottying in the house now because yeah, they're but, afraid. But if you have a dog that's running through it, oh, they figured the whole system out. They got it. They know exactly where the boundary is. They, there's something on the other side that they go, cost versus benefit. The benefit of getting through this thing is worth the cost. So I'm going to put my head down. I know about where it's going to go off, and I'm just going to go for it. Well, it's a whole different story if you don't know when it's going to go off. You got an idea. It's like kind of like over there near those hedges, uh, over there by that tree. But I'm not exactly sure. So therefore, your little head of steam doesn't always work. That was my number one trick. I would also just go back to your training, pull them back to interior, and turn up the signal. Not meaning make the field wider. You certainly can because now it's just going to be. It's going to hurt a little bit longer, and <laughs> you better be able to run really fast. Uh, but typically, they have settings in which you can turn them. Up. But number one, turn off the tone. Number two, if that doesn't work, turn up your setting. Yeah. And also, I can't tell you how many consultations I've gone out to in my career and they're going, I need help with this invisible fence. And I'm there for about three minutes. I tighten the collar good and snug and I say that'll be uh, $110. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that is true. You know, you're gonna, if it's not snug, then they can't feel anything. And if they can't feel anything, then off they go. Right on through there. So all good points there. That's, again, when I owned Invisible Fence Franchise, I was awarded as having the franchise with the fewest complaints, the, the most success in the world. In fact, it was so good, it was its doom because on those darn things, you made your money off, off the batteries. You had to, <laughs> people had to get the batteries from you. They could not get them from anyone else. So next thing you know, no one's buying batteries because their dogs are behaving so well or not, they're not running out the yard. So sometimes you just go, what the heck? I thought I was doing a great job and never mind anymore. Did, buy this thing. And so I sold too somebody good else. of a job. Too, exactly. yeah, too good. Are you ready for the last question? I am ready. Let's do it. Okay. I just adopted a heartworm positive dog in June. And for the past three months, she's been in treatment. She's very timid. When someone goes to pet her, she lies down belly up. When she approaches someone, she slinks towards them and puts her head low to the ground. She also has not barked a single time. Is this normal for shelter dogs? She also does nothing but sleep for hours. Could it be depression? Okay, two questions in, in this uh, question. First of all, is this normal for a shelter dog? Uh, it depends on the shelter, I guess. But no, I would say that uh, no. Absolutely not. It's not normal for a dog, period, regardless if you got the dog from a shelter, from a rescue, from a breeder, from your next door neighbor. That's not normal. Uh, dogs tend to bark. They do tend to sound warm. Now, some dogs are quieter than others. I mean, especially the first week that they're there. They, yeah. 
But the this real dog doesn't come out for a yeah, while. Yeah, but this dog's been there for three months, yeah. so important her. And depending upon the heartworm treatment, the medication that the dog is on, it can cause the dog's get up and go to it got up and went. Uh, it, it was designed that way. It depends on the treatment. Is it an aggressive treatment? Is it not an aggressive treatment? Uh, the whole idea is that they don't want that heart pumping harder and harder. A lot of dogs are put on medications are an adjuvant to that. So, But the slinking up means, okay, a lot of times, unfortunately, dogs in shelters end up in shelters because people said, I don't want this dog anymore. And a lot of people say, I don't want this dog anymore. Not just, you know, mostly because of their behavior. Either A, they're just out of control or B, there's something odd. And this sounds like an animal who's very fearful of humans, especially unfamiliar humans. It's getting low to the ground because that's a defense mechanism. Uh, if I get low to the ground, then I'm signaling to you that I give up. Uncle, I'm not a threat to you. It's aggression deflection. I'm trying to deflect your aggression. If there's going to be, maybe there's not going to be, but I perceive that there is. So yeah, this is a behavior. It, it, and I don't know how old this dog is. It doesn't say in the question, but you may never get completely over that. A dog may become comfortable with you, but you could be dealing with this for the lifetime of the dog. It might get better, but as far as curing, I don't think that's going to happen. Now, on to the second part of the question. Could this be depression? Well, when... I'm, to not get too deep, because we don't have enough time to get too deep, just let me put it this way. And I, I'll tell you what, I'm going to save part of this question for our next radio show. I'm going to get deeper there, but on the surface, just to help you for right now until next week, dogs don't suffer from depression the way humans do. But they, just because there are parts of the brain, the, the brain anatomy, in which they are missing parts. There are actual whole parts of the brain that don't exist in dogs, that exist in humans. Therefore, it's, it's impossible Depression is a sense of foreboding, doom. It's dark. It's something's going bad happen to me. And dogs can feel that, but more of a sense of vulnerability. And one of the things that we look for to determine if a dog possibly could be suffering from human-like condition called depression is psychomotor retardation. And that is an animal who barely moves sleeps a lot like a human. When your dopamine's down, you just don't want to get out of the bed. When your neurotransmitter norepinephrine is happening, then it's trying to calm you down. You're always too calm. You're, you just can't get aroused about anything. You can't get excited about anything. So it, it could be, uh, but I tell you what, on the next show, I'm going to get a little bit deeper in this and I'm going to give it the time that it needs to give this answer but on the surface, uh, what I, if whoever wrote this question, if you're, if you're listening, if you happen to be catching the show, please give me some more information. Give me the age of the dog, because that will certainly help me a lot, uh, because there are natural events in which just like humans, there's a reason why humans have difficulty with their memory as they age. It has a lot to do with neurons and the lifespan of neurons. It has a lot to do with your cardiovascular system, uh, the more inefficient the heart becomes, the less amount of nutrients that it can send to the brain, pump to the brain, which then means we start to have difficulty in the hippocampus part of our brain, the limbic system, so on and so forth. And we just start having memory problems. And many dogs will give depression type symptoms if that's happening as well. If I can't remember, 
if I'm having a hard time, remember, remember Max, we would say, oh, yeah, he put he, himself in the corner. Yeah. He'd yeah. do his own timeout, go live facing a corner. Like a, it was sad, like a kid in the, with a dunce cap or something. It was mm -hmm. very sad. He would go in and out and in and out. So I promise next week, count on it. I'm going to get a little bit deeper into this. Okay. So next week, not only are we going to talk about that, but we're going to talk about, uh, can dogs tell if you are a good person or a bad person? How many times have you heard that say, my dog knows better? And, and I, I, I stayed away from that guy. He gave me the heebie-jeebies because my dog was singling Yep, me. we hear it all the time. Yeah. Can dogs do that? So we're going to talk about that next week, get into that depression thing. And Joshua, in the meantime, tell them where they can find us. Uh, you can go to our YouTube page at Taming the Wild with an all capital wild and subscribe to us. There's all types of content that goes there. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at Taming the Wild Dogs. Yeah, please do. Please do. Your input's uh, always really important for us. All right, guys, you have a great week and we'll see you next Wednesday. Take care. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join host Brian Bailey again for another edition of Taming the Wild and Your Dog next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Your dog's welfare and your life may depend on it.